Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 440 for Tuesday, November 2nd. Today on the show, of course, we've got the college football playoff rankings coming out on Tuesday night. you got the Preds back on the ice, and we've got Game 6 of the World Series. But, of course, we must begin with the very serious foot injury that Derrick Henry sustained against the Colts on Sunday and what Mike Herndon believes this team needs to do to still make the playoffs. If you live in Nashville and you own a home, you need to know the name the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. They are a locally owned, award-winning custom home and remodeling firm, and they've been successful in this business for over a decade in this market because they do it the right way. You can trust that they will have your best interests at heart. Call them, give them a ring, just talk to them, have a conversation. I guarantee you, you will learn something that will help you throughout your process of home ownership. Just give them a call, the Kingston Group. If you're BuildKG.com, that's the Kingston Group. Titans fans, football fans, Nashvillians, and the world got some bad news on Monday when we all learned from Adam Schefter that Derrick Henry broke or fractured a bone in his foot and was going to be out for a vast majority of the season. Mike Vrabel and the Titans confirmed that Henry's foot surgery would be Tuesday morning to get him back on the mend as quickly as possible. Vrabel did not give a timeline, but just minutes later on Monday afternoon, Ian Rappaport reported that the window for Henry's return to the team would be about six to ten weeks. With nine games left in the season and ten total weeks, a six-week recovery puts him potentially back into the lineup as early as the Steelers game in Week 15. And a ten-week recovery would put him back in the lineup for the first round of the playoffs should the Titans be playing on that weekend. Two things here. I wouldn't put anything past Henry's ability to recover. Just like the guy they signed on Monday to help replace him, Adrian Peterson, who recovered fully from a torn ACL in like eight months one time, Henry is a freakazoid of a human specimen, and it's impossible to know exactly how long it will take to return. However, the chance that he could be back later on in the year, and including the playoffs, was actually probably the best possible news the Titans could have gotten on Monday. Before we get to Mike Herndon on what the Titans need to do to replace Henry's production and still make the playoffs, I would like to point out one very important part of this injury conversation. Asking questions about Derrick Henry's workload and its impact on this injury is totally fair. But there is no answer to that question. According to Vrabel, Henry was hurt early in the game against the Colts, and they almost shut him down, but they didn't. Henry was the one who wanted to play. Maybe that was a questionable decision by Vrabel and the guys. Maybe they should have held him out. But unless a medical professional can trace this particular foot injury back in time by weeks or even months, there is no way to know if the injury had anything to do with Henry's workload. Statistically speaking, of course, the more you run your body into an NFL defense, the greater your chances of getting hurt are. But specifically to this foot injury, there is no evidence yet that his extraordinarily high workload over the last season and a half had anything to do with it. You're going to hear a lot of hot takes and a lot of yelling about workload and usage rate, and the best thing folks like me in the media can do is say, we just don't know. We don't have that answer, and likely may never have that answer. And until a doctor tells me there was evidence of wear and tear on this particular foot in question, no one can definitively attach this injury to the amount of touches that Derrick Henry has been getting. So just try to ignore those takes this week and for the next month and a half. On to Mike Herndon. Mike, good to see you, man. Always a pleasure to talk to you, have you on the show. Wish it was under 
better circumstances. I know the Titans have won four straight games, and that's a good thing. What do you think they should do in the short term in an effort to replace the irreplaceable Derrick Henry over the course of the next two months? Yeah, so I, I think that that is kind of the key word is ir- irreplaceable. He, you aren't going to go and find another running back. You just plug in and uh, the, everything stays the same. So they're going to have to adjust the way that they run offense, the way that they approach football. The, and they're going to have to lean on guys like A.J. Brown and Julio Jones, who obviously they they spent a lot of draft capital and a lot of cap space to bring in. But I think they need to lean on those two guys and let those stars be stars. And, and those guys need to become the focal point of the offense. And we saw it a little bit with A.J. Brown this these last couple games and two games where Henry – you know, wasn't producing big numbers. Now, of course, he was still on the field and, and eye candy for the defense, but he wasn't putting up big numbers. And A.J. Brown, you know, those guys need to be the stars of the offense. Um, you know, obviously they signed Adrian Peterson. I think he's a, a guy that's kind of a stylistic fit for what they do. He's going to punch you in the mouth. I think the physicality is something that they absolutely want to replace. Um, even if they're not going to necessarily get the the 80 yard runs and and stuff like that that Henry can bring to the table, I think Peterson will bring enough of the physicality and and the kind of body blows uh, as the analytics nerds would would kill me for saying. I think Peterson does give you some body blow ability uh, with this offense because I think physicality is important to them. It's part of their identity. And and Jeremy McNichols. What, what do you think? 40% of the snaps, 50% of the snaps. I mean, it's not like he doesn't yes. make things happen when he's on the field. Obviously, it's unfortunate Darrington Evans is not a part of this conversation. Would be nice. I mean, Nichols has been great for them. I mean, I, honestly, he's been a savior in a lot of ways uh, because Evans has been out so much. Uh, over the last two years, McNichols has really stepped into that third down role and, and been very successful with it. Now, I don't think you want to use him between the tackles a ton, but I think if you wanted to, you know, give him some series and let him split some of the workload with Peterson or, or whoever else they bring in, I think that's doable. Um, and I think McNichols, if they are going to start to lean into more of a passing game, he's great on the screens. He's great in, in, in as a pass catcher out of the backfield. That is something that I feel like, if Todd Downing wants to really kind of find a way to patch this thing together, finding a way to use McNichols out of the backfield and lean on this passing game is probably the way to go rather than trying to hope Adrian Peterson can, uh, at 36 years old, can you know pretend like he's Derrick Henry for two months. So there are nine games, 10 weeks to go with a bye. The injury timeline-ish is being reported at about six to 10 weeks. You know, you're trying to find a silver lining here through all of this and that it it, it happened early enough in the season that maybe he can come back. Also, you've got a three-game lead in the division. What do the Titans have to do? Where do they need to be at at the end of the season? What is it that the Titans need to have accomplished at that point to give themselves a chance to actually make a run with a healthy Henry in the playoffs? I think you just got to win the division. I, I don't think you want to play the game. I mean, they did it a couple of years ago, going on the road for the wild card round, going on the road for the divisional route. I, I think you need to get home playoff games and as many of them as you possibly can. But at the bare minimum, you, you have to win the division. And I think the good news there is if you look at the Colts schedule down the stretch, you've got a three game lead in the win loss column right now, but it's really four because of the tiebreaker, which they'll hold over the Colts, regardless of what happens from here on out. The Colts have to go smoking hot to and and the Titans have to collapse completely for for this to even turn into a race because the Colts down the stretch have they still have the Bills, they still have the Bucks, they still have the Patriots, the Cardinals and the Raiders. Those are five really tough games for them down the stretch and even if they win 3 of them and drop two, all all the Titans have to do is go 
three and six, three and six is all you got to do. And, and you're in good shape. So the Colts have to not only beat the good teams, they have to take care of business against the bad teams that they have left on their schedule with Carson Wentz. I just, I, I'm not sure I'm buying it. So I, the Titans, you go three and six, you're going to win the division pretty much is kind of the way I'm looking at it down the stretch. If you do better than that, great. But I don't think we should necessarily resolve them to just trying to limp into the division. I think this team is still capable, despite not having Derrick Henry, of competing for the one seed and pushing these other teams down the stretch. I mean, they're going to have the tiebreaker against the Bills. I think it's going to be interesting to see how this team responds, how Ryan Tannehill responds, how this growing defense who suddenly is, is creating plays and pressures and turnovers can turn into a strength perhaps for them down the stretch as Bud Dupree gets into form and Christian Fulton gets back and, and everything like that. I don't think we should completely narrow this down to just limp into the playoffs and hope Henry's healthy. I think this team still has a chance to achieve all of their goals and then add a, a healthy Henry into a playoff stretch. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how this all plays out. But uh, yeah, I think this team has all of its goals laid out in front of them still. Yeah, all, all those all those folks who like to do internet rankings of quarterbacks are going to be fascinated with watching Ryan Tannehill over the course of the next month and a half. I think four and five is totally doable, and yeah. I think that wins you the division no matter what. So, Mike, always a pleasure, man. Great to talk to you. Great to see you. Uh, keep tweeting. We appreciate it. At Mike Miracles. Uh, always some of the best content on the internets. Uh, we do appreciate it. Thanks, Mike. Absolutely. Appreciate you. The college football playoff rankings are coming out for the first time on Tuesday evening, and there will be plenty of intrigue. Not at number one. That will obviously be Georgia. But after that, the committee will give us plenty of clues as to what they are thinking and how they are evaluating a truly wild season in college football. How does the committee view Cincinnati, and how do they view Alabama? I would have Alabama at number two, but I doubt the committee puts them there. I have Cincinnati at number five, but I also doubt the committee puts them there. The key is the eye test, talent, and strength of schedule for Bama versus the perfect record and one big win for Cincinnati. I don't see how any rational college football fan could say that the Bearcats are a better football team than Alabama, but that is something I am watching closely on Tuesday night. Oklahoma and Ohio State are the only other teams that I would feel deserving of top four consideration. However, Oregon and Michigan State could absolutely throw a few wrinkles into the rankings as well. Oregon has a head-to-head -head win over Ohio State, even though the Buckeyes have been the more impressive team, and the Ducks' loss is much worse. Michigan State has some nice wins and a perfect record and could easily crash the top four party as well. After that, who else belongs near the top four? I can make a case for like a dozen teams. Michigan, Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Notre Dame are all solid one-loss teams. Wake Forest is still undefeated, and Texas A&M is a two-loss team that has the best win in America. We could easily have a two-loss team in the top 10. Auburn could also be close, too. And that would set the table, assuming more chaos is coming, for a two-loss team for the first time in playoff history to be in the conversation at season's end. Either way, Tuesday's rankings will be fascinating to watch for a number of reasons, and I haven't even mentioned Ole Miss or Kentucky. The Nashville Predators will put their three-game winning streak on the line on Tuesday night as they travel to Calgary, first place Calgary, that is. Puck drop will be at 8 o'clock as Nashville tries to move their record to 5-4, and four, above 500 for the first time all season. Keep an eye on the goaltending, keep an eye on the defense, and who can score goals. This Calgary team has been very, very good, and we will have complete analysis for you on Thursday on the Gold Standard Podcast with the Athletics' Adam Vingan and yours truly. Again, 8 o'clock puck drop at Calgary Tuesday night. Nashville Predators, three wins in a row. Let's see if they can make it four. The Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros have returned to Texas for Game 6 of the World Series on Tuesday night 
after a 9-5 come-from-behind win on Sunday from the Strohs. Atlanta will throw Max Freed on Tuesday night on full rest after allowing six runs in five innings in a Game 2 loss last week, and Houston will counter with 24-year-old Luis Garcia on just three days rest after firing 72 pitches in three-plus innings on Friday in the Game 3 loss. As usual, I will not be rooting for the Atlanta Braves. First pitch is set for 7.09 p.m. Central Time, and the Astros are minus 121 favorites to win game number six. Special thanks, of course, to the folks who bring you the 440 every single morning for free, the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Just keep that name in mind if you're a homeowner in Nashville. If you're looking to do some work on your house, make sure you remember the name, the Kingston Group. Just have a conversation with them. Even if you don't use them, I guarantee you they will help you along the way with their process because they care deeply about your home. BuildKG.com is the website. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the show. We do appreciate it. Follow us at 440 Media on Instagram, at 440 Sports on Twitter. My name is Braden Gall. Thank you guys all for listening. This has been the 440 for Tuesday, November 2nd. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.